0: Hi guys, and welcome to the very first episode of Podcast Friday, Talk with Lois for the year 2022. It's been a minute. <laughs> oh my days! Um, if you listen to the the last episode that I dropped um, last year, I said I was gonna go off for some time, but this content creation, you know, work that we do—if it's there, it's there. So around February, I moved to YouTube and, you know, if you've been looking for me and you've not been able to find me, you can find a lot of my stuff on YouTube and I'm going to transcribe them to podcast uh, very soon. So you guys are missing a lot. So if this is the first time you're listening to my voice, you're hearing me, my name is Lois Tarikabor. I am the host of Podcast Friday's Talk with Lois. And here I talk about different things, lifestyle, love and everything life and society has to offer so i came here um because i felt i should share this using my podcast platform and today i'm just going to be talking about i didn't even give this a title but i think i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a give it a blank check i know what i want to talk about but i didn't give it a title so maybe at the end of the podcast you may find out what i'm talking about but i want to explain faithfulness using a very using like a very strange um you know dimension to talk about it and i'm just going to go like straight into it um for those of you that may be thinking or are totally clueless, this is going to be um, a christian podcast but it's going to come from a very different perspective This is going to be a Christian topic, but it's going to come from a very different perspective. I'm sorry. So, I was reading my Bible, um, and I'm currently doing a personality study where I'm studying um, personalities and characters in the Bible to see what God is trying to see and how God is trying to build me rather than just, you know, like flipping through, okay, today I'm reading this, today I'm reading that, and all of that. And I'm supposed to be reading First Kings because I'm supposed to be studying Elijah and Elisha the prophets. So I started reading it and to my greater surprise, it didn't start with Elijah. I mean I've read First Kings before, but now I'm more intentional about it. You never get you never exhaust a word or you never get enough light in a word. Because, you know, like they said, um, the message of God as stiffers and new every morning. That's how the word is, you know it comes, the Holy Spirit brings different dimensions of light every single time you read it and you're willing to partner with him to explain to you what he was trying to say there. So, it started with David, you know, Solomon, David giving Solomon the charge, love God, he was about to die and everything and showing him, making him king, you know, in his place as his successor and all of that. And then we went to um, Solomon asking God for wisdom and, you know, how Solomon... um, the first case Solomon like judged or talked about and that 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 made his fame spread abroad and that case was on the prostitutes I think um, if if you read your bible as a Christian you should know like I mean it's a very popular case where um Solomon had to judge um, between two prostitutes the son that was alive the son who was dead and who was the the actual mother of the living child so I read it and I was about like, you know, skipping like onto the next, but but then I came back and then I'm like, this, like, what is God trying to say? Why is this story in the Bible? Like, like, like prostitutes were arguing, living child, dead child, eh? Uh-huh. and he just stops. The, Why is this story in the Bible? What does God want us to see from this story? And one thing I've come to realize is that it's, when you're reading your Bible, it's not a marathon. Or it's not, yeah, it's not a, it's not a sprint rather, but a, like a marathon. So it's not, you are not, we're not doing competition. It's not first to finish. You're taking it like a step at a time to find out what God is really trying to see for him to open your eyes. And so that, that part of the Bible, like the verses were just like, I think it was just like, what? 7, 10, like verses, maximum 20, if I can remember correctly. But I didn't move from there. I closed my Bible and the next day I was back. I'm like, what, God, what are you trying to say in this verse, In like with these verses? What are you trying to say with this story? Why is it here again? And then I'm like, help me, Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit started helping me. And so I first of all, like, was able to see the word prostitutes. I said, why why is something so um, um, morally, quote-unquote, not talked about, now in the bible because it was really strange prostitutes prostitution and if you've studied the bible and you've listened to messages and sermons and preachers you know me i listen to a prostitution sermon and he would always say um that there is a law in studying scriptures called the law of first mentions so you have to look at where it was first mentioned okay the old testament and was it mentioned in the new testament so if it was mentioned in the old testament and mentioned in the new testament it means there is a there's some sort of relevance to it in our present world especially if it was addressed you know by god and, and and whatever and when jesus came back in the new testament he addressed it too so it means god, there's something there's, there's a message god is trying to pass across so, I first of all checked out how many cases of prostitution was mentioned in the Bible and then it started coming. So, in the, the the first time the 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 first time prostitution was ever mentioned in the Bible was with Judah and Tamar. After that, we see beyond even Judah and Tamar, we see Rahab. Now, now is it beginning to make sense to you? We see Rahab as a prostitute, you know, that helped the spies. Judah and Tamar were, were, were mentioned in, you know, Genesis, where Judah had, you know, sons, and the sons, you know, were dying. God was taking his sons because, you know, they were wicked. They did evil in the, in the sight of God, and the lady was just being passed from one of the sons to another, and you know, the first son that she got married to, Judah's son, died because he did evil in the sight of God. The second son also died, uh, like, after, you know, the second son now married Tamar. And the second son died because he was always, you know, withholding his sperm and stuff and, you know, like, like he didn't want to continue his his brother's lineage. And so God found that as evil also and killed him. So Judah, the father, had, like had a last son, but he didn't want to give it like, let that son marry Taman. The son wasn't even of age yet per se. So he wanted, um, he told Tamar, women suffer though. he told Tamar to go back to her father's house, a widow and wait for his son to grow up before he, this before she can marry his son. So she wasn't even allowed to marry anybody. And we know how stringent rules were like for women back in the days. So what came to tamar that you know after even judah's wife died the last son was old enough but judah wasn't giving him to tamar to marry so judah so tamar had word that judah was coming to her city so she disguised as she disguised herself as a prostitute and stayed where stayed where prostitutes used to stay and you know met judah and judah you know patronized her like she covered her face and everything so judah didn't even know that she, it was she was the one patronized her okay what are you going to give me in exchange i'm going to just i'm going to give you a goat she said no i want like things of importance and so she took his his staff and his cord, if i'm not mistaken or something like that but something like his stuff and his seal or so and so when after you know everything had been done the agreement was that judah was going to send her like i can't remember what that is and then she was going to return his valuable items to him but that didn't happen because by the time he went to start searching for her the prostitute that was by by the wayside or whatever like he couldn't find her so what came to him that tamar was pregnant and you know it was like they should take her out they should burn her they should stone her and everything and she said, "Before they do that, the owner, the father of the child, is the like is the person who owns the seal and whatever." And she didn't even put him out in public. Like she sent it to him. It was then it dawned on him what he had done, and he confessed that she's more honorable than him. So, in, in like with the very first case of prostitution in the Bible, it wasn't even intentional. So we can we can say Tamar was, I called it the suffering prostitute it wasn't intentional like she, like it wasn't quote-unquote her desire to be a prostitute she had to suffer for x amount of years simply because she was waiting for somebody to grow up to marry and then eventually grew up and then they didn't give him to her so she had to like try to fight out her situation and disguise or like took took the role of a prostitute and then we move and say, okay. Interesting. What's the second case? Rahab. I called Rahab the smart prostitute. So with Rahab, you know, this one was it was a prostitute. She stayed at the city gates and everything. But she was smart enough to recognize Grace. The Bible called her a prostitute from plain. She was smart enough to recognize Grace, like the spies. Okay, she was smart enough to know that God had already given you know Jericho to the Israelites. And she told them, okay when um um when you come back and god eventually gives you the city you have to save it because now i'm saving you and all of that she saved them and then they told her okay you have to tie the scarlet that they're the using saving us and and all of all the all your household and everybody that is within your house will be safe and then i said okay interesting and then i moved to the next one Where was it what in like what other prostitution was mentioned in the bible and then we see the story of hosiah and goma when god told hosiah a prophet to marry goma a prostitute now i call i call goma the symbolic prostitute because god was trying to pass a message using the life of someone like in the old testament god did that a lot especially with like um, prophet ezekiel okay tie your hand you're not supposed to talk because this is how i'm going to silence israel you're not supposed to do this you know the symbolic prostitute God told a prophet a prophet to marry a prostitute and then the children that they gave birth to he named them according to what he was going to do to Israel Jezreel I would oh I would visit the house of Jezreel with this that and that not my people not you know and all of that and then eventually I think I need to read this because this was really profound you know and eventually, after everything, you know, Hosea went, he took Goma back, you know, you're not supposed to um, prostitute again. Okay, I'm taking you back, blah, 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 and, and all of that. God is trying to pass a message. And then we go to um, the sacrificial prostitutes, the adulterous woman, the woman that, you know, in the New Testament, now we, we move to the New Testament, you see that prostitutes are still being mentioned. So we go to, you know, the New Testament and we see that this adulterous Suman was being, like she was being dragged by the scribes and everything. Oh, they went to Jesus. They, went, they wanted to use, they wanted to try Jesus' knowledge and all of that. Okay, if he had, if he had told her to go, he would have been going back on the law of Moses. If he had stoned her, you know, they were just trying to put him in a box. And Jesus being Jesus, I mean, the word is the word, like, you know, Jesus is the law that fulfills the law. I saw it somewhere. You can't confuse him with his own law. And so he wrote down the actual law. The actual law was that both the man and the woman were supposed to be dragged out. They were supposed to be witnesses that to this act, to this act in itself, that these people were actually fornicated or committing adultery, committing adultery, rather. But then they didn't drag the man. They only dragged the woman. So they were not like fulfilling the complete law. And so Jesus was trying to tell them that, and he was writing on to understand, whoever is the first person to condemn her, cast the first stone. How did you even know that she was prostituting or committing that act even in the first place? If you weren't her customers, they were not patronizing her at zero. How did you know? Did I used to tell people that used to, like, if somebody wants to have sex today, they will not go and announce. oh, I want to have sex to so come and see, no? So how did you know to catch her at that point in the act? Because if you're, if you're dragging her how she is without the man she's obviously not dressed properly so you are you are definitely patronizing her at some point so how did you know you know so jesus said the first person i'm not going to there's, there's a there's a story to that too like a like a like a story to that but that's not that's not the focus for today so i call her the sacrificial person because you know christ told her go and sin no more you know if if they don't condemn you then i don't condemn you she was supposed to be the sacrifice you know that the the Pharisees and whatever we supposed to use to trap Jesus. She was supposed to be that sacrificial lamb that is supposed to, to trap Jesus, but unfortunately for them, it wasn't like possible because Jesus is the law. And so we move to that and then we see, like, okay, back to um the, the prostitutes that that led us here in the first place, which was the case of um that, that Solomon judged. So the breakdown summarily is just from the beginning to the end, the suffering prostitute, Tamar. From Genesis, the smart prostitute, Rahab. The symbolic prostitutes Goma. And then we move to the New Testament, the sacrificial prostitutes, the adulterous woman. And then still back in the Old Testament, the selfish prostitutes, And that was the case that Solomon judged. And so I looked at all these things and I'm like, interesting. Hmm, there, there really is something here. you are tr- really trying to say something, God. And then... What really struck me, I'm going to go back. What, when I really tried to when I really started understanding what God was trying to explain when he was talking about prostitution is, is with Goma, the symbolic prostitute, Goma and Hosea. So it like with you know um with the with Goma's case, you know, God was trying to talk about prostitution symbolically using the unfaithfulness of Israel to him. Israel was serving, uh, Israel, the Israelites were serving other gods. They were not faithful to him, you know, how much he'd taken them. So how, how, how he'd taken them, you know, brought them out, helped them changed their lives, but they were not being faithful to him, you know? And in Hosea 1, 2, there was a part of, there was a part that said for like an adulterous wife, The land, referring to Israel, is guilty of unfaithfulness. And so the Holy Spirit was trying to say, this is what I'm talking about. Anytime you see prostitution, I'm trying to talk about faithfulness and everything, you know, embedded in it. And I was looking at it and I'm just like, if we're being honest to ourselves, Um, this is not to to start going into details about feminism how women have evolved how women's rights have evolved but for people to be prostitutes as far back as bc before christ tamar rehab before christ knowing how stringent women were treated how women were treated as properties how they were married off early how they were used mostly for just childbearing you know Women were not even supposed to be afforded the opportunity to be prostitutes. So, it's like, what was the status quo of things that were so bad for for these women to, some women to still stand out to be like, I don't want to be with any man. I want to prostitute. And these are the things that I just mentioned. And it all boils down to the fact that women wanted their liberty. So, when I say liberty, what am I trying to say? Like, Like, what am I trying to say contextually? what were the conditions for faithfulness or unfaithfulness? so say a man comes just like how we see judah and tamar he's telling tamar you cannot marry anybody you have to wait for my last son to grow up but he's he has the like the freedom to pick a prostitute randomly and have his way and have his sexual pleasure and be all right and nothing stops him so back then saying okay these Old Testament women were, were prostitutes, right? And, you, and like, like back in, like back, 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 back. Old Testament, New Testament women were prostitutes. Like, why did they become prostitutes? What made them defy all the odds of how they were going to be treated even as prostitutes? You know, to still become prostitutes regardless. And i was just looking at everything and it became th- some things that were so glaring was that and some questions i was i was asking like what was the reward of faithfulness to a woman why be faithful if it is not reciprocated was there an understanding of marriage then because we know that okay the the context god had provided for marriage was therefore a man shall leave and cleave and the two shall become one like way back in genesis you know talking about adam and eve but before even like the new testament came on paul it's it's really from the new testament that we really see an understanding to marriage where okay well, we're not really saying um beyond even the proverbs people will say the proverbs thirty-one, woman um um is is for the Ephesians five man that's the new testament still and paul like provided a lot of context to marriage wives submit, husbands blah 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 so it's like did they even have an understanding a proper understanding of marriage you know back then and it's like what's, what you know I, I, I couldn't really try to wrap my head ar- around like a lot of things but then I now started saying okay now at least I have a lead now l- let's really look at faithfulness Let, let's really talk about let's really see what God is trying to say let's really understand what God is trying to like like refer to in-depthly and then I check out the, 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 the dictionary meaning. And the, the meaning of someone being faithful is to be steadfast in affection or allegiance, to be loyal, to have a firm adherence to a promise or in observance of duty. And so trust, faithfulness, being faithful, being having so much faith in somebody that it's so full you trust the person that you remain in the person and so the ladies in the old testament and the new testament they lacked faith in the marital system it didn't favor them it was by yes so there was no grounds like they didn't they, they were that bold that they didn't see enough reason to stand by it and so god was god is trying to say like we're using prostitutes and everything that's the problem of israel is they're not faithful and in faithfulness when someone when someone says i'm faithful to you it means i have a certain degree of love for you because if i don't love you i cannot i cannot be loyal to you i cannot you know observe any duty to you i cannot be steadfast in my affection to you or whatever promise and we always say oh god is faithful it means all these things God is faithful to his word to fulfill it in our lives. It means he loves us. It means he has integrity. It means like he trusts his word over us. So if faithfulness is in great love, is in great trust, you know, which is interpreted as faith, because if I don't, if me saying I have faith in you is that I trust you, In faithfulness is reciprocity, to what degree or measure are you able to reciprocate back? That's why we see, you know, the ladies are prostituted in the Old and New Testament. You know, we talk about the bias. These men weren't reciprocating to the same dimension that was expected. There was some sort of bias in the system. So if you're saying you should be faithful to me and I to you, how much are you willing to reciprocate that faithfulness? To what degree? In faithfulness is the ability to be committed, to remain to stay and faithfulness is a big deal if you look at all these things and so just like with the children of israel and everything and goma and all of that god is trying to say we must be faithful to him and he didn't stop there and so i was just thinking i'm just like "Hmm, holy spirit okay we have a background we're working like you're teaching me i'm understanding now he opened my eyes to say, there is a reward for faithfulness. That's how I remembered. I was like, oh, okay. There's a part of the Bible that talks about God giving the talents, three talents, five talents, one talent. And then he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, and then in that part of the Bible, it says, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's joy. Come and share your master's happiness. So, part of the Bible will also say, I will give you many more responsibilities. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And the Holy Spirit was just bringing different Bible verses to me. And it's like, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So, it means dwelling in Christ, you are already covered. But even in Christ, there are still layers to Christ. So it's like somebody wearing an armor or somebody layering during okay layering during winter you wear the first dress you wear the second you wear the third you wear the fourth and then you are taking it out there are layers it's like an onions you take out the back there are still layers you are still peeling they're still peeling if something say um still splashes and it touches the outer layer, the bulb of the onions. You, you, you're able to peel that layer and then go into another layer of the onions to see that the first layer was protecting the second layer. So the stew or the stain or whatever did not get to the second layer. So that is how it is even in Christ. He that dwelleth in the secret of the shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Even in Christ, even under the shadow of God, there are still layers to God. So dwelling in God is one. Dwelling in God is getting into like staying in, in Him, a part of Him. But when the Bible now says, God, Holy Spirit was trying to open my eyes to the fact that when the Bible now says, He that the grace Shall abide under the shadow of And then He now says, Enter into the joy of your master. You know, enter into the joy of your master. So it means even in Christ, beyond dwelling in him, you can dwell in his joy. And that is so powerful. So, it's like I'm dwelling in Christ. Christ is my safety and everything. But for the Bible to still specify, enter into the joy of your master. It means you can enter into into God and enter into his joy. It's another place entirely still in Christ. Sharing in his joy, sharing in his happiness. And if we look at that part of the Bible where God was talking about, you know, the talent and, you know, they are entering into the joy of your master and everything the bible says you have been faithful in little i will make you ruler over much i will set you over much it means I will give you more responsibilities. I will give you more things because you have been faithful because you have multiplied what has been given to you because the talent the, the 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 man gave him gave the the steward three. He was able to multiply it to five. He that showed he was faithful. He was committed into building what was entrusted in him by his master. And so his master said, because you have done it, I will multiply you. I will set you over much and many things. Enter into the joy of, of your master. And so there are even degrees to faithfulness. And so God was trying to tell me that just like the, the, talent, the, the, the talent story, the parable of the talent, the master gave one three, to another he gave two, to another he gave one. And so that's how, it, that's how God tries to give us talents. And in that talent, it's like the first talent God is giving to us that he's, he's giving to us to multiply is our faithfulness to God as, a, as human beings. And then we go to our faithfulness to the purpose he has given to us. And then we go to our faithfulness to the people he has entrusted us, in us rather. So it's one thing, faithfulness, is one thing to just say, oh, I'm being faithful God. Faithfulness has a degree. There's a degree to it. Yes, I'm faithful to God. I read my Bible. I study the word and everything. But am I faithful to the purpose he has called me? Do I know what he has called me to do? Do I know that? And am I, am I being faithful to it? Am I being committed to doing that work? To why he has sent me here on earth? Now, in that purpose, I'm going to find that he will entrust people in me. To work with me for me to teach to send people to me and everything to help them out or whatever in what I'm being called to whatever industrial field that I'm being called to reveal Christ in am I being faithful to those people looking up to me these are my talents so it's like the more I multiply the talent given to me okay he has given me three talents and in that three talents is talking about my capacity uh, my capacity in how I'm being faithful to him so in that three talents oh he he has gone and he has come back and i've multiplied it he has seen that oh my spiritual life has increased i'm fasting i'm praying i'm doing this okay he's revealing himself more to me and then he says oh i see lois you are being faithful to me here enter into the joy of your master i will make you ruler over much and then he gives me and then he multiplies and gives me five talents and those extra two talents is me is him extending my capacity of faithfulness and he's saying, okay, now you are being faithful to me. I have seen that you, you can be faithful to me. I want to see how you can be faithful in the purposes I have called you to do, how much you can reveal me. Oh, he says, okay, he has given me more to talent. Oh, great. Now he's telling me, enter into joy of your master, like, the, like, this, like the, the steward that he gave to talent and the still multiplied it to three. Okay, I see that. I'm adding more to you. I'm giving you one more talent I'm adding more okay the driver master and then we're talking about now faithfulness with people that have been drawn to the purposes that he has called me to to the message that he has called me to reveal you know him in and there is a following people are seeing that oh, okay, I like how this person communicates Christ. I like how this person like, communicates Christ in whatever industry she's doing. And people are getting a following. People are, you know, using that as some sort of yardstick. People are using that as an example. And in the long run is Jesus revealed and Jesus glorified. And so when God gave me this message, I was in awe. Because it's like... Just from pressing into, why am I seeing prostitutes in the Bible? And then I understand that Christ is talking about how faithful we are to him. There are degrees to faithfulness. You can be in Christ and still get into different dimensions of Christ. You can be in Christ and you can be in the joy of Christ, in the peace of Christ in the love of christ so that's why when the devil tries when the devil comes to throw things at you you can't even he can't even come because you are putting on the whole armor of god In you know, all those layers to god are like the fruits of the spirit first things first you are in christ so before he gets to you he has to pass he has to touch jesus if he cannot touch jesus then he cannot touch you and even and he cannot touch, I'm not he cannot touch us at all. But if he tries to even shake your faith, you know, put on the shield of faith, and that's a different message on his own altogether. That like the breastfeed of righteousness and all of that, the whole armor of God. If he tries to shake your faith and looks like your armor is wearing out, then you know, you bring out another, like a like that's that's another that's one layer he's able to get to. The second layer that you are still in Christ is not touched yet. So you are still safe and secure. So when I got this message, usually I would tweet about, you know, my messages and everything. And I'll try to explain to people, but I'm just like, nah, this is too much. And if I, if I talk about it, if I write, if I, if I like give expression with writing to it, people may not really understand, you know, it. Like the intensity of it so we've come to the end of this podcast and what do I want you listening to me to take out of this evaluate your faithfulness to God first before you start talking about his purposes faithfulness to his purposes knowing even the purposes he has called you to do the people he has entrusted in you because the purposes of God are not in isolation it says the earth is waiting for the endless manifestation of the sons of men so obviously, whom God has called, He has entrusted people to, to work with, for the message to be passed to, to reach the to Pass across. These are, this is the responsibility, you know, that the called must bear. So what I want you to do from this message is to evaluate your faithfulness, your degree of faithfulness. Oh, God has been faithful. We're in the month of September. God has, you know, January to September, God has kept us. It's beyond that. God will continue to be faithful because He's bound by His words. But are you faithful to God? How faithful are you? How much of His how much faithfulness are you reciprocating back? Are you a faithful steward? He has entrusted, you know, a life to you. Has entrusted maybe some certain skills and whatnot to you. Are you multiplying it? And so it's a lot, and it's something we must take our time to reflect and take our time to think about. Because with faithfulness comes responsibility, comes multiplication. And for us to be able to do that well, we must understand the whole concept of faithfulness and to understand that we must lean towards Christ. We must press for more like grace has already been given but we must be intentional in being faithful to Him. Then and only then you know can the status quo change. Can we be more transformed? Can we know the extent to which He has called us And we understand the multiplications of his responsibilities towards us. And so we've come to the end of this podcast. Um, I hope you were blessed as much as I was. I hope you have been transformed. I hope you're going to give this a thought. And, you know, just see, give it a chance on how much it can transform your life. I hope this takes you further to Christ. I hope this makes you start asking questions. And I hope this just doesn't leave you the same. It is Lois Tarika Moore. Hopefully, you get to hear my voice in your podcast very soon. Here's me wishing you the very best of September. A happy new month. For me, it is my month of rest. I pray that as I find rest, that you find rest in your finances, in your business, with your emotions, with your growth with the goals you've set out to accomplish this year, even as it is the last quarter. I pray that God blesses you beyond measure. I pray that you not only be a hearer of this word, but you be a hearer and doer. And I pray that your life is transformed for your benefit and the benefit of people, you know, around you. Until I see you, not until I see you, till I hear from you next time, <laughs> Go to my website, loispiration.com. Follow me on YouTube, Lois Tarikabor. And, you know, just keep abreast with everything that I'm doing and stay strong, stay standing, stay in the faith, stay learning, and stay blessed. Till I hear from you or till you hear from me next time, it is Lois Tarikabor on Podcast Friday's Talk with Lois. Bye for now.